Hello, Magic is Real listeners. I'm Shannon Torrance. Today, I had such a wonderful conversation with Dr. Graham O'Connor. What I find so interesting about Dr. O'Connor is that he was an atheist before he had his near-death experience, and now he is living a spiritual life with a new perspective on everything. If you enjoy this episode and want to hear more like it, it would mean the world if you can subscribe, like, share with like-minded friends, and get the word out. Thank you so much for your support. Now here it is, my conversation with the lovely Dr. Graham O'Connor. We'll start here. Hello, Magic Israel listeners and watchers. Thank you so much for being here again. I'm Shannon Torrance, and today I'm very happy to have Graham O'Connor. He's Dr. Graham O'Connor with me today. Um, rather than have me try to tell you what he does and what his life is all about, I'm going to have Graham introduce himself and say uh, what it is that he does and what he's here for. Uh, thank you so much, Shannon, for um, in the invitation to come and chat today. So it's yeah, interesting. When I think about what I do, I feel there's two components to it. There's you know my job side, but I also feel that I'm getting now just this light energy being inside a human being, having this great experience as a human. Um, who's been very lucky to have an insight into the other realm, which has then really dictated my life in that I would take lots of challenges, um, knowing that nothing really matters. And thankfully, because of that insight of what I've experienced, it's actually drawn me to a fantastic career and in a job that I absolutely love and get to spend time with very sick children on a, on a daily basis. So my job now as a research doctor on, on an intensive care unit at a, you know, a huge children's hospital, which I've been um, for uh, over 10 years, or 12 years now doing this job, um, which you know, doesn't define me, but it's a major part of, of my life. Um, also love sports, so tennis and cycling, um, and then nature is a big part of what I do, getting into the countryside. And just that's my way that I can connect um, with that, the higher realm again, but just quiet in the mind. Oh, I love that introduction. Thank you so much. Um, I also would imagine that having had a near-death experience, which of course we were, we're here to talk about, um, do you feel that that helps you in your work? Because I would imagine there's also a lot of sadness and pain in what you have to do, and children are just the most vulnerable. It, it helps massively, especially in terms of death, because I do see death on a daily basis within um, a very specialist hospital which you know it's, almost, it's called the last hope hospital because people will come to us as a national center um, so it does help in that respect because i know where they're going and for whatever reason they were here for for that lesson to teach the families or just what they chose to come here for it helps me to cope with it um, how you can you know portray those issues to, to the family you, you can't really because they, you know, what they're going through is horrendous. But for me personally, coping with it every day definitely helps. And my, my friends that know the job that I do, they always question like, God, how do you do this job? Um, and I think it is, well, I mean, I have colleagues that have never had an, an, a near-death experience, but they still do the, the job. But I think for me, it definitely helps to, to know that they're going somewhere very special. Yeah, I would imagine that's, that, that, if you're going to go through something like that, at least you have the knowledge that there really is no death. Now, that wasn't yeah, always the way that you felt, from what I understand. So I'd love to hear about 
who you were before this happened to you. Um, whatever you'd like to share, I'd really like to get to know you. It's a and, yeah. great question because you're absolutely right. I was a devout atheist and my my parents were devout atheists so I was just brought up a devout atheist and um, so I had no interpretation of the bible you know Jesus was a bad word in our in our house and the word God was a bad word um, but I did you know my parents were very disciplinary we, I had three siblings so it was four boys so growing up was very strict um, and I think a lot of discipline and um, probably too much discipline and looking back now my family can probably say you know my parents can say you know, discipline was at a level that was probably abusive I have a fantastic relationship with my family and my brothers but now my brothers all have children they realize actually to what extent we were all you know abused really but in the most loving way just to, to control four boys but because of that discipline it did build an anxiety disorder for, for myself um, and also growing up gay as well at that, at that age, so happy to deal with discipline, knowing that I was gay and adolescence, it just unfortunately transpired into this very severe sort of, um, anxiety disorder, which sort of leads, it's funny because all these things sort of lead on to why I ended up having my NGA because I was taking medication with um, the alcohol, which then caused the NDE. So there's always like a nice little link up to those situations. But yeah, my childhood was amazing. I was an atheist, although I did believe in a higher being in terms of the universe. Um, but I would never use the word God. I could never use the word Jesus. And then until after um, the experience, and absolutely, like I, I can embrace that word now and embrace the word God and Jesus. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I actually always had trouble with the word God, too. Yeah, I was at times an atheist and then at times more agnostic as I aged. Um, I think my dad is an atheist. My mother is not. Um, but and so that's interesting. But she's yeah. how pretty, does that work? Yeah, I, I, they just don't talk about it. Just like I don't yeah. even tell him I'm doing. I don't even tell him I'm doing yeah. this just because I don't. I know that he won't he'd be very supportive of anything I do, but it's just not his thing. So when mediums come through with messages for him, I say, mm, yeah. I'm not going to do that. He's, he's not that type of a man. He's a very sweet oh. man. But he, yeah. so um, I also had that negative idea of God, like it was this hardcore Christian belief that was judgy. And um, yeah. I didn't like it either. And only when I went into I've talked about this on the show. So it's no secret. But when I did went through a 12-step program for codependency and love addiction right and i had to that's part of the work is they ask amazing you, what yeah. are your attitudes about god and what is it that you're are you afraid of it do you embrace it you have to work through that before you work through you know um that's a lot of things yeah and because in and of course in the 12-step world they're not they say to you if you don't accept if it isn't god it could be anything outside of yourself it could be the rivers the streams just give up the control but once I went through that and saw how miracles started to happen and kind of opened my mind to this sort of thing now yeah. I feel so comfortable that I don't have to defend what God is to me exactly I, I love that way that you because my partner is a total atheist oh and he calls all of this stuff hocus pocus so that's why I love the name that's called magic as well because he thinks it's just hocus pocus and that's total amazing. atheist doesn't um believe in any of this so again it's just difficult for the relationship because we just we just don't go there and talk about this sort of yeah stuff, i would but, imagine um, and that's 
this is that's really interesting um you know to be in a relationship and this big thing happened to you and i'm sure he thinks yeah it was chemicals in the brain or um, whatever but i would love to hear um i've heard but i would love to hear again so that you can share it with my audience um, that we have here today let it let's uh, go back to that day and tell us what actually happened yeah absolutely so i'd like to give some just information around that time because it just puts it into context of what actually happened and um, my my best friend had died about six months before the, my nde he had a non-hodgkin's lymphoma and it was in the brain tumor so he um, died within about three weeks of being diagnosed. So, you know, incredibly quick. He was the most articulate person that I ever knew and lost the power of speech and thought um, and died within, within three weeks. And then the week leading up to the NDE, uh, we had a particularly tragic week at work in that three children had died just unexpectedly, like relatively well children we thought we're gonna do, would do, would do okay. Um, and they didn't, they died, we had to cope with the parents. It was just really hard. And, since my best friend had died, I found subsequent steps quite difficult to, to, to deal with. So I've arranged a night out with my friends, as you do, because that's how you cope with these difficult situations, the self-medication, and organised a night out in a local club bar, which uh, was in Clapham, South London, called The Two Brewers. Um, and it's a really fun, non-pretentious bar. They have a cabaret show on, and the more drunk you get, you just sort of migrate to the back of the club, and that's where you can have the, um, the club area. And we were lucky we got a seated area on the left-hand side, um, got a round of drinks in, and it's at this point a friend had offered me this very powerful painkiller that's also an anaesthetic that you can uh, inhale. Um, and this is going back to the anxiety disorder because it just helps you relax in your sort of club environment. Um, because I'd had so much alcohol in the blood and then inhaled this very powerful um, anesthesia, I knew instantly something wasn't quite right. And I basically went to a systemic shutdown and my blood pressure dropped and never knew your, your blood pressure drops you or your peripheral fission just starts to disappear yes i just was just had this pinpoint and i collapsed at that point and i wasn't aware of this but this is where my friends told me and i was with other medics at the time um told me that i went into respiratory failure because you develop this breathing um complication called a strider and it's a very distinctive noise where it sounds like a sea lion barking mm-hmm. um and it's just your airway closing you're just desperate to try to get the air in so all your um, muscles here try to get your get that airway open but i was oblivious to this i was even before i hit the ground i was just transported to this incredible realm and i was suspended in this air in this massive coliseum um, and in between these two columns that was just you know, suspended, suspended in the air, um, there were steps coming up to this Colosseum. Um, and it's again, to explain the brilliance of the light and the energy there is so difficult to put into the words. And I've explained it before. The only way that I've learned to explain it is with, when you got, you're in a science class, you have a, 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 a beam of light that goes through a prism. On the other side, you have this beautiful rainbow, but inside the prism, you've got the mixture of that light and the rainbow before it actually splits. And that's what the light was like there. It's just this incredible light, but with color with, within it. Um, I, I, was, I had awareness, 360 degree perception all around me, um, but I had this incredible presence on my right hand shoulder, which I still don't know what it was to this day. I always thought that, you know, it was so dominant. I thought my back was against another column that um, where was, but I, you know, there was absolutely nothing behind me. What that was, I don't know. I'd love to think it was my, my higher self. 
But the bit that was absolutely incredible, and you can never put it into words, in front of me were these four beautiful beams of energy that were vibrating, um, had a frequency of their own. They were just ab above me. So these beams, I was in this huge coliseum, but these four beams were just sat above me. Um, all looked identical, but I knew instantly who they were. So three of the beams were the children who had died on the war that week. And the fourth beam was, was my best friend. In no physical form at all. You could, I just knew from their, their energy. The communication there is way beyond tele telepathy. It's, it's just this instant knowing of like a download of, of, the, of, of their lives and what your life and what your interaction was with them. And with, with the children, it was very little reference to the, 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 the life on earth. It was more about their whole life, soul journeys and, and your interactions with them. With my best friend, it was a little bit more about his essence and we had a bit more understanding of our life interaction on, on earth. Um, it's, this is just, it was just such a wonderful experience. And this is, it's so frustrating because you, when I can try to explain, just to, to imagine seeing these four beams of energy and just knowing who they were. Now, I didn't get a life with you. I got a, a, a snippet of, a, of my last memory with Brendan who had died. So we, he died, um, I, I, when he died, I was in the hospital room with him, which was you know, an absolute privilege to be in that situation. But I was angry because he died and I was shouting up to the corner of the room, just saying, look, please show me a sign that you're okay. But I was shown this memory from his perception. So I could just see him looking down at me, shouting, like, show me that there's a sign, which is, you know, it, which is incredible to, to have that experience. And all the emotions were there. Again, I could feel my emotions from when he died and his emotions from, one, from where he was, which was just, you know, again, a, an experience that you just can't really explain unless, unless you're going through it. Because I'd had that visualization of us being on Earth, that's when I realized, oh God, I must be dead as well because I was in this realm. Absolutely not bothered that I was dead at all. It was the most wonderful place. You know, if I, I didn't have a face, I think I must have been a, a beam of energy as well. But I, you know, your eye, my eyes would have been popping out, my mouth would have been just ajar just to, to experience this incredible situation. Because I was I knew I was dead, I didn't have to think about, oh, well, how did I die? And I thought, oh, it must have been in the club. And it, you know, in your human brain, you think, God, how embarrassing, that's a terrible way to die. But when I was there, it was absolutely fine. I thought, no, it's, it's not an issue uh, uh, at all. And it's, then I had the thought of my family, and particularly my mother. And it was with that thought, I was then catapulted back to earth. I wanted to say back to earth, because I didn't really know where I was. Now, when I went to this place, it was a flick of a switch, blink of an eye, I was there in an instant. Now, coming back, it was still the speed of thought. I mean, it was an incredible speed coming through the club. But I remember specifically coming through the club area and actually going through the wooden barn. So my consciousness actually went through the wood. And I remember seeing in the greatest intricacies all the splinters of the wood and being a part of that wood and just experience what it was like to be a bar. I know it sounds absolutely crazy. Um, my consciousness then got to where my body at this time was laid out by the bar. So I was aware that my body was on the floor. Whatever form I was in at that time, I don't know if I still this huge energy beam. There was no sound from the club. I couldn't see anybody else around me. Um, it was just me and my body. And that's when the, the fear kicked in a little bit. So I was 
thinking I need to get back into into my body and I, my body it just wouldn't get into it and then it would go in and then it would come back out again and I was like undulating back and forth on my body to the bar area again and I can remember seeing all the scum that accumulates around that bar area you know Chloe it just horrendous I've never seen it all in the greatest detail but I like I just trying to explain how fearful I was at that time and what a contrast it was to where I'd just been when I didn't care that I was dead it was absolutely fine but now being on this earthly plane I was petrified of dying and I just always think back you know when spirits get stuck they do get stuck in this realm and I think if I come back to this club and my body wasn't there if I'd been dead for so long they were taking my body away would I have been stuck in that realm as a, a spirit you know as a ghost and just looking for my body because that's when you I can only understand why spirits get stuck in this realm as well and I just hope that I would have thought about God or the light just to make sure I could have got back to wherever I needed to get to but that, that fear was real and I can remember that fear as well as I can remember the absolute peace and beauty of the other realm that they're both just as tangible to me as I think back to that time. Thank God my consciousness did go back into my body and I sat bolt upright and just said I was dead, I was dead. And I said, I saw Brendan. And at this point, this is when the music hit me, the lights were banging on, my face was sore because my friends had been smacking me trying to, to rouse me. Um, and it was just great to be bad, but everyone knew the situation I'd been through, lost my best friend, and now she's saying, I've just seen Brendan. And it was just like, you know, crazy man's come back to life. Um, but another, uh, another, it's almost like post-traumatic stress from this is the thought that I was only gone for 15, 20 minutes. In my head, I, I thought I was gone for a wonderful eternity. Um, if, you know, at least three weeks, just, just all the information that I'd felt and experienced, um, to know that it was actually just gone for 20 minutes was a, a real um, traumatic component of that issue, just everything I'd seen. And I was just desperate to get back to that place for months afterwards, just because it was such an incredible experience. Um, thankfully, I had some wonderful after effects from that experience. Um, which I can go into now, unless you want to, yep, to go into that. Yes, fine. because so, I, always, I like to ask that anyway, is I yeah. know so many people come back and their perceptions are altered and the way that they see is altered. Or um, So I'd love to hear your experience and also just interacting with other humans after this has happened, I know can be quite jarring um, and it, yeah, hard to explain. So yeah, please share whatever it, you it like. It is jarring. It's, it's actually, you come back in a real bubble because you think, God, look where I've just been and nothing's real here. So it takes a while for those senses just to, well, unfortunately it does come back to, to that reality. I think it's to do with that, that bloody fail, whatever that fail is, it, it just cuts off that, that realness from the other side. Um, but thankfully within a week of coming back, um, I was out with friends in a bar that I used to work in where I met my best friend Brendan and we were just sat around talking and my phone rang and it was Brendan's name that came up on my phone and he hadn't used his phone for six months before this and I was thought that's strange maybe his partner's given his phone to somebody to use or he's going through his phone he's having a bad time. Answered the phone absolutely no nothing at all and I held the phone open for five minutes I showed my friends look Brendan's called it was, there was nothing there Put the phone down contacted his partner and said look i just got a phone call from brendan have you given his phone to somebody else or you know are you going through it and goes no it's been in the bottom drawer for six months he wasn't able to use it and for me that was just the most wonderful verification that again he was showing my sign because all his shadows and show me a sign show me a sign 
Um, and then, then for the Jeff Morris show as well, I don't know, there was a beautiful orb that came through. I'm hoping we might catch some orbs today as well. I've been saying oh. to Brendan, please show yourself. It's funny because you tend to catch them after. I mean, when I was doing the video before, I saw it come straight through. Wow. Um, and then also for my 40th birthday, beautiful orb shot through. So that's that was lovely from him. But then in terms of, in terms of the ghost side, I, I, um, this is about three, a month, maybe a month after the experience. I was at a friend's house just for it was a Tuesday night having dinner, toting the hole at his house. And I just saw a full apparition of someone walking through his hallway. A man with a top hat, blonde hair, six foot, dressed up to the nines, walking through his hallway into his bathroom. So I jumped up going, Steve, there's somebody in your house. Duck jumped up, there's nobody in his bathroom. Steve thinking I'm mad at this point. He was with me at the club as well, saying I've seen Brendan. So he just thinks I've actually lost it by this point. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, again, I was in the same flat and the whole um, structure of that flat had changed. I walked into the front room, the windows were smashed in and there was just dried leaves blowing around the whole front room. And in London, we have, they make the flats much smaller than they used to be. But this was a much larger flat, probably how it used to be in the Victorian times. Um, so again, that was incredibly special. But that time my whole, what my whole mindset was just transported to this time, which is again, quite scary because it's like, you know, traveling in, Type where your whole, you know, I was totally out of that time. So I'm not sure what the, the word name for it is, but just out of yeah. time, almost like time traveling. Um, again, no understanding I, what happened. I'm assuming that the man I saw dead was related to, to how he maybe um, came to die at that time. Yeah. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, the, that was the two supernatural things that had happened to me with the, the orbs, the phone ringing, and then seeing. Um, this dead person, which was amazing to see a ghost. Um, and that was for the first six months. And then it really just settled down. The only long lasting um, after effect is this compassion and empathy that I picked up from that experience, just because I saw this connectedness that everybody had from that realm. I forgot to mention, so even when I was in that incredible Colosseum, um, beyond the four beautiful beings mentioned in front of me, there were still other beings of energy all around. And within the Colosseum, there were beams of energy. So I felt all of these connections to everyone around me. Um, and then coming back, I had this crippling compassion that I still have now that, you know, is to a point that I have to protect myself out of situations if, um, if there's any joking or mocking that's not, you know, done in a deceitful way or a nasty way, I can't be around people that aren't sincere. So that was the, and then come back as a vegetarian as well. That was another <laughs> side effect. Wow. Just couldn't eat animals anymore. Yeah. Um, just knowing that they are still beautiful lights, beam energy, lights of energy, light beams. Um, so that was a, but it's good. I just don't have any interest in animals. I love the smell of, you know, meat, but just cannot yeah. go near it anymore, which is annoying. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's, but it's great. It's, it's so wonderful how much it changes people even if you were an empathetic person, which obviously you were because of the work that you do, um, being an empath to the nth degree, which I am, um, yes, it, yeah. it's a different thing. It's, it, it can be very difficult and let, and, until you learn to tame it and work alongside it. And then it becomes a gift, I think. Um, right. you know, once I, it took me probably 30 years to figure out how to get a handle on it so that my emotions weren't all over the place and crazy, probably longer than 30, to be honest with you. But, um, but it's such a gift because it allows us to see 
to feel so connected with everyone yeah. else. Um, yeah. And so I think that's so beautiful. And to see people, no matter what their state of being now is, and at least try to find some compassion when you can't relate or you see someone making a poor choice or committing a crime and you want to hate them, but you can't because you know yeah. this is their soul and their journey. This is something they have to live out. Um, yeah. So you can kind of see it a little bit differently. No, you, you touched on two points there that I, I you know, really wanted to talk about as well. But you're absolutely right with the, 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 the empathy that you're saying, because of course, being a medium, you can control that empathy and just you know, channel it and know where those emotions are coming from, which is incredible. And yeah. um, the compassion and the non-judgment, I totally agree that this is one of our main goals as being on, on being humans is to try to learn and not to be not not to be non-judgmental. Um, which is so difficult because we all have our downfalls of what we might find perceive we find difficult not to, to judge um, and it's then going deeper into that why do we find, why do i find it difficult not to judge that particular cohort of people um, and then you can do if you can be aware that you're doing it and then eventually you'll hopefully just um evolve into not having to be judged. I mean, i'm so much i'm so lucky that i'm as you're saying that when people do judge people for doing other things like even homeless people i just feel that absolute compassion for them when you see drug addicts they walk past you and you can feel their absolute terror almost you see this is again for you being a medium your snippet of what they went through as a childhood and this is why they are here yeah. and that's why i can't imagine doing what having the skills that you have because it would drive me mad yeah to, to, to be that important it would for i think it would for me too if i had been a lifelong medium and not someone that became a medium later in life because I I have to sort of still intentionally tap into it. But I always say a prayer as right. a homeless person walks by and bless them or someone who's mentally yeah. ill because I, oh, I mean, it, you know, obviously the compassion. And yet I'm also a very judgmental person and have been and so have had to train myself out of it. And when I find myself judging, I say, remember they're a soul, remember to have compassion. Yeah you know, try to be, try to think about, you don't know what their experience is like. And so, you know, even as spiritual as yeah. I find myself now, it took me a long, long time to get there, but I already had yeah. the empathy to be to the point where when I was two years old and in there, my mom had to take me to therapy because of my anxiety. And my um, oh, therapist said, it was a child psychologist. And he said, poor Shannon, she has so many big feeling she doesn't know what to do oh, with. Wow, at and that age oh, I was gosh. always worrying about other people all the time and what's going on with them so but I think it's a beautiful thing as I said if you can cultivate that empathy and not have it take you down with it and yeah. be able to be more an observer of it and say you know god bless them I can love with an open palm it doesn't mean I have to fix everything fix where we can yeah. which is doing a job that you do which allows you to be of service to people in the right ways Without, it's, but it's ex extraordinary that yeah. um, people don't have this empathy. So when you're, I'm walking down the street and I'll say, God, look at that. You know, did you feel that? Even that happiness from that person, or did you feel that yeah. sadness? And my partner just thinks I'm absolutely mental. But I can't believe people don't have this. And I just, I'm, I'm glad I have it that you can have that tap into that higher compassion and just that empathy. Yeah. But the thought that a lot of people don't have that at all. It's just like, oh, I'm glad I have it. But I would, I feel sorry for them. Just can't feel and just look at people and sense that empathy of yeah. what people are going through. But it is so cool when you have, after going through what you've been through and me having sort of learned it, not having had an NDE, but having learned yes. to connect with my spirit self, 
every day. Um, I think it's such an awesome feeling where when you connect with someone, you feel like I feel tingles just even speaking with you just from the connection, the exchange of energy. And I, okay, yeah. I can feel your energy as I'm speaking with you. And I, it's such a, it just, it's fun. I love to go out in the world and Tangible. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I talk to strangers all the time. And um, when I'm out on my walks, I just stop and talk to people because I just feel like we're all connected. We're all there's, you know, there's, it's just a beautiful yeah. thing. Now I have two two questions well one isn't they're more comments than questions um the first one is yes is that it's interesting to me that you know being in a relationship with someone who's an atheist what i love what i love about that is that it proves that you don't have to be aligned in your belief systems because you know it so you that's enough you don't have to convince him like you know he'll find out in his own time it's i mean i wonder if this is true i may be speaking for you but um it's his path and we'll he'll we'll, you know he'll know eventually but how I, yeah i guess that is a question how do you sort of no, navigate yeah. that i think the the best way to because i've only been my partner for three years i was in i was in a longer relationship before um but what i've discovered is because of my outlook and my understanding of when i my uh, i lost a, a friend a colleague at work again to not on hodgkin's lymphoma she's 38 year old woman had a child and then my auntie died from covid and the way that i deal with that was no it's it, I, it, you come across as being heartless because you're like are you not upset your best friend at work's died and your auntie's died within about three weeks of each other but i mean i was sat in the church praying for them saying quick not for my, my, my colleague that died, which was totally unexpected, but my auntie was a long drawn out death. And I was just saying to the angels, please just come and collect her. She's ready to go and it, it took him a long time to come. My partner's had loss, very close loss, uh, mother and nan. And the way that he's dealt with that is incredibly destructive and he just cannot even see that there is anything. Um, so they they don't align and I, I can come across as being very heartless, but it, it's not, it's just that yeah. knowing that, it, of course it's sad. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna see my auntie again, but she's with my other auntie and they're like my new soul protectors that I have. And I just always feel confident in any situation because I've got this soul family around me. But, you know, for the long, I mean, it's hard when someone thinks it's a whole hocus pocus. Um, but I love the fact you just said, I, I don't mind because I know it's true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I, we can, we can you know um, discuss it to the cows come home or yes. we can argue it to the cows come home but the fact is i would never argue with anyone i'll tell people about my experience if they if they take it on board brilliant if they don't i'm not gonna ever yeah. argue it because they will know and i know <laughs> they will know yes. in time <laughs> that's what i tell myself with my atheist friends i'm like it's okay i said i thank you for being open to hearing that i'm into it and um yeah. if you're not that's absolutely fine and and it doesn't matter. We'll all find out at the end of the day. And, and they I always, want to believe. Yeah. And even the, the strongest atheists, they like they might ask a couple of questions. And just it's just so out of their realm of thinking. They just you know I'm a scientist. I was you know trained to be to question everything, and it doesn't make sense. I'm thankfully I'm doing some research now. Another um, part that came out of the Jeff Morris show, where I got contacted by the University of Lancashire, who do a lot of this work, and we've now got a research proposal ready to start doing research. At, my hospital which is just so exciting that is very um, exciting it's brilliant it's brilliant um 
So that's my next big project because doing the research. So cool. I can't wait to hear more about that when it happens, you know, when it's out and you can talk about it. Um, And then the other question I have is that you had mentioned that the words God and Jesus made you uncomfortable. They did me too. Um, Now I actually pray to both and I, not in a religious way, but in a way where I say, I believe I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not a Bible person, but I also, you know, uh, have an idea that there are ascended masters and and people and um yeah greater yeah. beings no i love your i think we have the very similar understanding of that the higher levels without putting oh, names to them yeah I agree. that's what i was going to ask you about because i know i've heard you mention that you had a new uh you'd opened your mind what it, what did you learn about what jesus and god are it's a really good question because i actually I bought a Bible for the first time just to even look at it. I didn't even yeah. know who the, um, you know, Matthew, Mark, I didn't know. Any, and you read the story, a lot of it just makes sense. It's just mm-hmm. how to live a good life. Um, but it's, it's God. That's what I find fascinating because the light. So I think when people talk about God, they still think about a human figure. Whereas I would just see God as now the light, the energy source that is everywhere. That is God. You know, the universe is so immense. We can never actually comprehend how big it is. Um, and that's why it just makes you laugh when people think, you know, this is it. I just the energy just goes on. So I think my God now is the energy source for me, the light source that is connecting everyone. I mean, Jesus, you have to look. I mean, when you look at the story, you know, if that really did happen, how amazing! You know, I love um, there's you know, all these philosophers that came before Jesus, which we read his like um, Plato. We read his work now, and he was around before Jesus. So you think, you know, the Bible was two thousand years ago but people are still worshiping, worshiping that. So I, my relationship is still very much um, at its infancy, that I still haven't learned a lot of the lingo. Um, I, had, I had a mother this week who was at the bedside, but that's actually the grandmother at the bedside of a child who's quite ill, reading the Bible. And I just went to her, I go, oh, what, which passage are you on? And she was so delighted that I took interest in what she did. And I was fascinated to know as well, because I thought, God, you know, I said, keep praying. And the nurse is looking at her and going, like, mm-hmm. you know, we shouldn't really be encouraging any sort of reading. We should be biased, really, on bias. Um, but it was really, she was so happy that I just took interest in the Bible. Um, and, you know, before this, I would have been just like throwing the Bible across the thing. What a waste of time. Um, so that, yeah, so I, I hope, yeah, if I've answered the question, it is pretty yeah. much at its infancy still. And I go to church just to sit there on my own. I don't listen to sermons at all because I, because sometimes you can hear stuff that can be contradicting to the spiritual world and the acceptance and the judgment that you often get in the church. So that's difficult I have still with the church. Yeah, I, that's the thing I have is that I don't believe that any man actually knows enough about it to say, this is the way, this is what, you know, yeah. this is what, uh, Jesus is and this is what Jesus wants I think I believe that it's you know I'm very I'm just open-minded about all of it I think that absolutely I believe that some Jesus was somebody whether he was an ascended master a prophet um you know for me personally and you know some of my best friends are are um strict Christians that adhere to the Bible and I before that would have made me really uncomfortable and now I'm like I'm so open-minded about it. And I say, share whatever you want with me. I don't take it as you're preaching to me. I do actually respect and acknowledge Jesus. I just, it may not be the same interpretation you have only because I don't know for sure. 
And um, yeah. I ask him, show me who you are. If, if you want, you know, if, if, if it is the biblical definition, show mm. me. I'm open. I've got two points. I'm so lucky again that I, I always get these amazing signs. So whenever I acknowledge my angels or in prayer, I get this incredible shiver up my spine at any time. But yes. only when I think about, or if I pray to my angels um, or to Jesus, I get a shiver. It's the weirdest thing. It's like this tangible way to say like, yeah, we're here. Mm -hmm. And I'm so lucky I get that um, as well. Going back to the non-judgment side with the Bible and Jesus and God. On the, the Facebook NDE group, if you anything that's brought up there about religion, it causes such a storm. And I think it's great what you said again, because I used to be so judgmental of religious people, and now I can actually accept it and listen to them. So I'm so happy I've moved forward in, in that um, spiritual growth to not judge them and actually be open to it. And sometimes they can say stuff that is crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and even in the NDE Jesus group, it says you can't be homosexual, you can't discuss that. I'm like, oh, but I still like listen to other people's stories within that right. Jesus group because they can't have it in the other NDE right. group. <laughs> it's like, and it's nice but too then, that you cannot take it personally and say that's, you know, that's yeah. their belief. And, but there might be something I can take from it as long as it's not hateful. Um, and if it, even if it is hateful, just not reacting which i love yeah. again you can read stuff because even doing these interviews you know you would get there's always a backlash to, to yeah. people think that you're crazy um but i just love that i, I don't react i can just see a little bit deep into where they're coming from or why they're threatened by this but that's a skill and i don't know what again it might just have come from that insight that i don't and of course things do trigger me um but it's not reacting and I'm just trying to internalize it and then give it to my little angels to take to somewhere else <laughs> and that's such a great that's such a great practice too and I, I feel like my life has become so much more of a flow ever since i know that like for instance i just moved across the country from la to virginia because i love it out here and it's beautiful but i'm starting to feel a little bit lonely because my tribe is out there that's where yeah. my people are my parents are here and that's amazing but and I just told myself, oh, I just got chills talking about it because I was talking to angels this morning and saying, lead me to my people. And normally I'd go, what if I, it, it's never going to happen. I'm just going to have to move back. It's like, I yeah. know that they wouldn't have, oh God wouldn't have me here where I am right now if there weren't a reason that's yeah, going to lead me to something. Absolutely. Even if it is in yeah. five years moving somewhere else, I know that right now I'm on the exact right path and I have to trust it which helps me relax so much more into the process of everything where you go, there's a re there's just a reason. And so I have to be patient to wait, to see what the lesson is. No, and you're absolutely right. So even when you're going through the process of the thought process of moving to the East coast, yes. flights, accommodations, things wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have supposed to have moved. So I think right. you're absolutely right. You're on that right path. And again, I moved out to the country. Most, it's just been the best, the best one of the best moves I've ever done joined a tennis club oh my god it's a whole new group of friends so it's like if you can join a club there and just have that interaction and this again is going back to doing stuff that in taking these risks going on a date going on a um or get, applying for a job that you don't think you should get because this you know, we should just take risks in life because nothing really matters what's the worst that's going to happen you get rejection right um, so i just think just everyone should just push themselves and Nothing matters. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my question is what, obviously there are probably a million things you could think of, but 
what is it that you really want people to know um, just from everything you've learned that, that could be anything, anything that comes to mind that you just wish, wish people knew, want people to know. Um, and yeah, that's I, part of it. Yeah. It's, it's the, I'm very, I, I have, I had a catalyst, a catalyst that I can connect because of my experience. I'm lucky that I can, you know, in, tune into that anytime, but for the best way I can do that is to go into nature and luckily where I live here, it is literally just fields and, the, and there's rivers. And I can, it's like a gradual process. I can be walking along the river and you just start to listen to the birds and you can hear the trees, the wind in the trees. Then you hear the wind and it start, takes you to a higher and a higher level of that consciousness to shut that, the background chatter in the brain. It's just that walking meditation. If people could do that and just do it every day and just realize how connected you can be by just being in nature and just hearing like the wind and then the, the trees it's just beautiful yeah to get that connection so I wish people could just do that more just connect yeah I do too I have one of my best friends is a real city boy grew up in um, LA city like in the city and he's like oh he's always like oh hell no I'm not going out in nature and I'm like come on you just he's like gross I don't want to hear about it and you know <laughs> that's his he's like I just want to stay inside and play video games and I'm like I mean, I can't force him to, he's also an atheist. So we have these conversations a lot. Yeah. He's super supportive of what I'm doing, but he's also just like, it, all the things that you wish I just, it's like in my mind, I want him to do it because I want him to have the same experience. But again, it's remembering this is my path and this is his path. And he's, yeah, that's his path and that's okay. And that's- and I feel so thankful that we're yeah. on this path. And of course we're no better than anybody else. Of but when course. you see people- on, on their phones, they're always reading or, you know, they can't just sit on a train and just, or just sit out in a field and just be quiet. Cause you look like a lunatic now, you know, in, yeah. the, in the digital world, you know, people go to bed with their laptops on watching videos. They're just always, they never are with themselves yeah. Um, yeah. and sit quietly and just feel that energy that we, that incredible energy that we all have at source that we have up to our disposable and to ask the angels to talk, you know, Every day we can always ask for help because you have to ask for help. It's a weird rule that <laughs> you, you know, people are like you, you have to actually ask your, your, your soul team, your angels for help. Yeah. And along those lines, what are some of the things you do to connect back with spirit um, when you're in the middle of your, obviously you have a lot going on um, and you've got friends and family and your relationship and your job how do you i know you said nature but um how often do you do do that and what do you do i mean i talk to them all the time i go out when i walk to the train station i would chat i say good morning jesus good morning angels and i'll get my little shiver down my spine and, I, and that could be it or i could say oh right today i want to make sure we this i've got a big meeting or there's an issue with a child um you know i've had an issue with a colleague at work like, let's just pray that we don't have any rows today or there's no confrontations um, so it's on a daily basis. And then I have a mantra that I say every night before I go to bed um, with the acronym is actually Christ, um, which is a, it's compassion, health, I take risks. So R is for risk, but good risks. Then I is for intentions. Make sure your intentions are always good. S is for service for, to, to, to Christ. Um, and T, go watch T for. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's really bad. What is the T for? Maybe you'll we'll come back to me. Yeah, we'll come um, back. Yeah. Um, that, but then also there's gratitude. So I've got question um, great, which is so I've got gratitude. And then the ripple effect of just being kind to someone. So just having a smile. 
because I think when we're on these spiritual journeys, people think that you have to become a Reiki master. You have to be this right. whole life chain. This is great that you're doing this. And I think I'm lucky with my job. And I think, God, maybe I should be doing more spiritual stuff, which you know might come. But I think people don't know the effect they have by just being kind um, each day. And just that can be enough. That's so gratitude wonderful. and kindness as well. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think it's true because if you cheer someone up, they're walking through their day having a, a just a bland sort of a day and you have a lovely interaction with them. It, it gives you energy. It gives them energy. Maybe they carry that energy onto the next person and into the world. And that's such a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. And how would you say that this has changed you as a human being the most? Stress free. Yeah. The thing, and if you do get riled, you think, oh, good, you know, you'll get, you're, you're, we're here to ex experience all human emotions. That's what we're here to do. And, you know, we all have, have, we all have to go through stress. And it's good to have those triggers. But um, just ne not having, not allowing your body, not to allow to get really worked up and stressed about something, you know, always think about what's the biggest fear. Like, my biggest fear would be losing my job, losing my home then what would you do if that did happen? And you're just always thinking, you know, that that's the fear stops us from doing everything. And ego, which goes, you what about, you know, trying to differentiate between what's your ego and what's your higher self. So I think that's been my greatest growth from this experience that I'm always questioning is, what's my true intention? Is this my ego stopping me from doing this? Or is it the, the source that's saying I should be doing doing this? Um, but having no fear, because what the biggest fear is you're going to you're going to die and death death for me is not it's not scary you know if when death comes it's you know i'm looking forward to it i mentioned it's terrible to say but you know if i got diagnosed with cancer depending on which type of cancer it was i'd be like you know this is my ticket you know i don't think someone this is my time to go back why do i have to keep you know delaying it in the Western world, we, we, you know, we, especially in America, the amount of money is spent to preserve life in the vegetative yeah. states, you know, we're petrified of death and we should be embracing it and looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love that too, because I think obviously it's worse for those of us who are left behind. Um, losing our loved ones is something we don't want anyone to go through, but as far as ourselves, I mean, I'm love. I'm having a really good time. And the other day, I said, I "I'm not afraid of death. That doesn't mean I'm ready. I'm loving my <laughs> <Exactly> life. <no. laughs> I'm really happy. And I just, I don't yeah. want to go yet. But when the time comes, yeah. I know that at least I have something to look forward to. It's not something to fear. And what peace that brings, as you said, yeah. ask yourself in any situation, what's the worst that can happen? Well, I mean, the worst that could happen is maybe." there are things that can happen that are painful to endure, but the really worst case scenario is that you die. And if that's the worst case scenario, well then yeah, I'm golden. There's really, I mean, there's, there are worse things that can happen than death, I guess is the, is the thing. I, I totally agree. I think because we are living our true selves and we are enjoying life, the good and the bad and just taking comfort out of the good and the bad yeah. that we're going to, we're allowed to stay a little bit longer because we've we just got it and we're just like, okay, we can, you know, we're giving back to the universe. And, you know, I think the universe thrives on love. That's the currency of the universe. So the more love we can get out, we're making that universe bigger and better in places we can never even imagine for what we're here for. Because we know we, there's no, people question when you come, you got, you get your message when you had your NDE to come back for this grandeur 
jobs when you come back but actually it's just being kind that's all we have to be don't judge people be kind create that love um that's that's as big as job anyone all of us have to do each day wake up and just be kind I want to leave it right there. I think that's so beautiful, Graham. And I am so grateful for your energy, your time, for showing up, for connecting, and for sharing all of your beautiful wisdom and insight. Um, it really, really means the world. Oh, thank you, Sharon. I really enjoyed that.